the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It is a couple minutes after 4. And you are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for hanging out. Forecast calling for a lot of clouds the rest of the afternoon. Might get a shower, 79 to high. We've had some sunny breaks too. It's nice, 65 a low night. Tomorrow on the cloudy side again, a couple showers possible with a high of 76. In sports, things slowly starting to take shape. National Hockey League planning to skip the rest of their regular season, and if they do resume, which they're hoping to do, it'll be in the format of a 24-team playoff, which is more than usual. It's kind of complicated. We won't get into all that right now, but that's what their plan is should they be able to resume hockey sometime next month. Our partnership with Bible League continues. Just to give you a quick update, it's inched up a little bit. We're at 585 Bibles down and 1,615 to go. They're $5 a pop. If you want to help out, one, two, five, 10, 50, whatever you want to do, be greatly appreciated. Basically, trying to bring the Bible to Asia, which is the largest continent in the whole world. Over half the world's population is there, but only approximately one in 10 believers actually has a Bible. Want to help them grow? Very simple. It's a beautiful thing. $5 for a Bible, and it's in the recipient's language. Again, our goal, 2,200 Bibles overall. We have 585 so far, which is great. I should probably thank some folks for that. Let's see if I can find a list around here somewhere and do that before the hour is through. 800-YES-WORD if you want to help out. 800-YES-WORD. 800-937-9673. Or you can click the Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia banner at WFIL.com. And as I love my dear mom, who went to be with the Lord about five years ago, one of many sayings she had was, many hands make light the work. I'm not so sure that was original just to her, but she said it often, and it's true. And if we pitch in, we can get this goal to happen together. We want to do our part. You know, we're not going to be able to send uh, all of the Bibles that Asia needs I never say never. Of course, God could do whatever he wanted. Somebody wanted to call in and, and donate you know, $5 million. Sure, it could happen, but you get the idea. And I think it's important that people feel like whenever they hear about a need, whether it's this one or something else, that there's some context for it so they can feel like, yeah, we did something. We didn't have to do everything, but we did something. Thanks again to all who have helped out, and I will try to find a list of uh, folks to thank. Just as a, just so you know, there are real people helping out who are hearing and saying, all right, count me in. I'll do five, I'll do 10, whatever it is. So having said that, this hour I'm excited because every now and again, it is good to stop a little bit and pause and think through, so where have we been lately? It's actually been a really busy stretch of time 
If you go on our homepage at WFIL.com right now, you can see the podcasts of recent shows. A lot of different interviews have happened, sometimes two or three in one show. And I thought we would take today to give you a cross-section of some of what's happened, not just recently, but also perhaps in the past you know, two to three to four or five months, and give you an idea of what this program is about. Maybe today is the first day you've ever listened to this radio station and, uh, or, or this show. So I want to give you an idea of the heart behind the program and what it's about. So uh, if I could say in a nutshell, this scripture primarily is built on maybe the most well-known Bible verse there is, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So as I think through that verse, I think it applies to everybody, whether you know it or not. It's true. God's word's not dependent on if you believe it, if you think it's true, if you know it's true, if you're feeling it's true, it's just true. And so that, for me personally, among other things, brings a lot of freedom because this program can be really uh, open to anybody in a lot of ways as far as wanting to have different folks on from different walks of life, whether you're famous, not famous, whether you're from the tri-state area or another part of the country or another you know, continent altogether. And wherever you're coming from, you have eternal value because God made you in his image and he sent his son for you to reconcile God to man. So personally, I love having this program because it allows that, uh, that diversity, if you will, to happen, not just for diversity's sake, but because it's, I think the heart of God is for humanity and for, for mankind and sending a son. So today, we'll get in as many as we can. I've isolated with uh, our help, uh, Danny, our producer, uh, helped to isolate some clips just to give you a minute or two of some of the folks we've had on. Some will be Christians, some will not be Christians, some will be from TV, some will be from uh, world sports, perhaps an author. And we always run out of time with the show with these clips because there's just so many of them. But let me do that this hour, if you would, and uh, take a quick break to just you know, set the table that way take our first break and then come back and jump right in with a bunch of different clips that I think you will appreciate. It's coming up here in just a moment. Call it a, you know, a best, not a best of, it's not really a best of, it's just kind of a, an introductory uh, deal to help you get to know what this uh, show is about, what the station's all about. All right, back with uh, more in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and then the WFIL app too. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. It's 410, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Let's go through as many of these fine clips as we can. Now, this first one, I actually aired some of it yesterday. But only about half of it. It is the longest clip of the bunch that we have. Most of these, again, are one to three minutes. This one's closer to five and a half. But I really think it's super appropriate considering in about 20, 25 minutes, there's a rocket launch you may have been hearing about. And uh, it's two NASA astronauts going to the International Space Station aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. And it's merging NASA with a private company, a space company, for this launch, we actually had former NASA astronaut and SpaceX, the private company, a senior advisor. He's done both of those things on with us 
just last week. His name is Garrett Reisman, actually a local guy from Jersey. This is the conversation we had last week, and again, I thought it's appropriate as we head into the launch this afternoon. Tim, I'm doing great. How are you? Nice to talk to you. We have a local connection going. You grew up in New Jersey, right? We're in PA, and so we have that local I, angle. Yes, right. Yeah. I grew up in New Jersey. In fact, I spent five years at Penn uh, as a student. Really? Did not know that. That's very cool. Yeah, but yeah, I lived in Philly for quite a while. It was great. I loved it there. Did you? And I, now I know you. Became, Hi, everybody in Philly. <laughs> you became a Yankee fan, right? Pretty entrenched there. I was at the '09 World Series. Did you happen to be there at that time, or were you out in space? I, I was there. I was there for Game Two. Okay. Um, I, I had just come back from my first uh, space mission, and and I, and I remember I watched Game One in Moscow, uh, and then hopped on a jet, and I was in New York for Game Two. Wow. Crazy. I was there, too, reporting from Philly. <laughs> That's neat. Well, you know, and on a side note, you know, you hear about kids growing up that want to be a firefighter, policeman, astronaut. I don't know that I've actually spoken with an astronaut before. Did you actually have aspirations as a little kid, or when did that kick in for you? Yeah, you're right. I mean, all, all kids kind of wanted that. I, I tell you, to be honest with you, when I go to my son's elementary school uh, career day, <laughs> I kind of dominate, you know. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but it, it is, it, it, yeah, it's something I always want to do since I was a little kid, and uh, I never thought it really would happen, but it did. I got very lucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can think of a ton of different questions. Obviously, the, on the 27th, NASA and SpaceX teaming up for this uh, return to, I guess, the, the International Space Station. Maybe a quick question prior to that. One of your missions, I think your first one, was on Space Shuttle Endeavor, right? And um, you're out in space for several months and, and out on the International Space Station. What was that process like for you? How did you prepare or could you really prepare for something like that? You can, once you're out there, you haven't done it before. What was that like for you? Yeah, so it, it's interesting that the first time uh, that I was flying, I was, go, I was meeting to it the long haul, you know, being up there for three months. And I had I had four years to prepare. So as far as being uh, isolated and confined, it's kind of like what we're all going through right now. But <laughs> I had the advantage of having a lot of time to prepare and train for it. Yeah. Uh, but it was, just, you know, it was great. I mean, I, I, I would have. I called my mission the Goldilocks mission because I was kind of happy after three months to come back home and get pizza again. But at the same time, I could have stayed longer because I was having a ball up there. Garrett Reisman's our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, former NASA astronaut, SpaceX consultant as well. On the 27th, NASA and SpaceX are teaming up to launch astronauts from the U.S. for the first time since 2011 on SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft to the International Space Station. So there's that whole piece to this. But also, my understanding is there's an aspect to the Endeavor next week that is about uh, civilian space travel, in a way. Would that be correct? That's, that's right. It, 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 that's, it, it, it might not look like it initially, but that's exactly what's getting. But the most important thing about next week is it's the return of NASA and the United States, the, the capability of sending people into space. Ever since we landed the last shuttle nine years ago, our country has not had the ability to launch men and women into space. We've had to ask the Russians to give our astronauts rides to the space station. And so that all changes next week when we launch this uh, Crew Dragon mission. Uh, and we'll be launching Americans on American rockets on American soil, and we're back into business. And that's, that's huge. But what you're talking about is actually very correct, and that is that the other part of the story is that this has been done differently. This is a public-private partnership between NASA and SpaceX, and it does open the door to use these same exact vehicles to fly private citizens. How long has that conversation been in place in general, would you say, civilian space travel? And where do you think we are on the timeline of that actually happening for whatever purposes you know, we would use it for? Well, that's been in the works for, um, for over a decade. 
And uh, you know, the whole this whole commercial crew program started back in 2010. Okay. So we've been working on this for a long time, and and people have been thinking about it even longer than that. And in fact, the Russians have been doing it even longer than that. The first space tourist went up to the International Space Station, and it was an American co- named uh, Dennis Tito, and there've been a, a handful of others as well. Uh, but it was the Russians that really led the way uh, in tourism, and uh, and now we're kind of catching up. But but uh, but we're going to do it large scale. I mean, we're going to we're this is going to be the start of a whole new golden age of spaceflight. Okay, and and you were so you were with NASA for several years, and then you went to SpaceX. Which their main? How would you describe their main work? What they're about? Well, it's, it's, it, that's easy. You could ask any single person in the company what the company is there for, and they'll tell you it's to make human life multiplanetary. The whole idea is to spread humans through the solar system. That's the that's the corporate goal. It's pretty ambitious. Wow! <laughs> but, uh, wow! But this is the first step in that in that process. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, let me ask you one last question. Just, uh, you know, I'm thinking I have all these questions about what's happening, but I'm like, what's it like up there? And, and what kind of perspectives <laughs> that give you on life in general, staring back at the Earth and in space? I mean, it's got to be crazy. It is crazy. It, it, it's fantastic up there. I, I recommend everybody go. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, a, it's an incredible experience. And um, I guess if it, 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 it left me with one new impression, it's the fragility of our planet importance of uh, of protecting it and when you see how thin the atmosphere is when you look at it from space you realize just how capable we are as human beings of messing this place up and 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 it gives you a profound respect and and a need to to try to save this place thank you so much for taking time it's a pleasure making your acquaintance and god bless you have a great rest of your day thank you very much it was a pleasure take care bye-bye Say hi to everybody in philly for me will do <laughs> bye-bye okay. all right so that was garrett reisman former NASA astronaut and SpaceX consultant. He's a senior advisor, actually. And those two worlds merging in 15, 20 minutes as that launches. Uh, last time I checked, it's supposed to be taking place. No, I don't mind if you're watching it. I, I'm happy for you to watch that. And you can listen, if you will, as you watch the rocket hopefully take off to our show today as we play back some clips for you to give an idea of what this program is about. Something happening. Um, you know, there are lots of boxes, I think, of in terms of checking when we have different guests on. Sometimes it's just having a local angle, someone from the area that she can connect with. Sometimes, again, it has to do with a current event, like what you know, today's rocket launch. Um, something that is closer to home, although it's online, so in that way it's all over the place, is something happening on Wednesday nights. The Phillies are doing something called Story Time with the Fanatic, a fun, family-friendly event around 7 o'clock that you can, uh, you know, get the kids in their PJs, get some snacks out, and a 15-, 20-minute uh, story from the fanatic who has uh, written a bunch of books. Well, his very good friend, Tom Burgoyne, has. Tom has joined our show a couple of times, and most recently last week, to talk about the series. Uh, tonight's celebrity reader, by the way, none other than my favorite player in the history of any sport, Michael Jack Schmidt, the greatest third baseman in not just Philly's history, but in history. And I'm not sure that that's up for debate. But uh, this is a little chat we had with Tom Burgoyne, very good friend of the Philly Fanatic, as we talked about story time with the Fanatic. He'll kind of explain how it works. Here we go. It's great, Timmy. Um, we, we're using Instagram Live, so it's the Philly Fanatic's Instagram Live account. It is live, so you never know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I kind of... And, Timmy, I like the live element to it, too, because, you know, it, it kind of does make it seem a little bit more exciting for the kids, you know, instead sure. of going and seeing a tape thing. It's like, wow, we're on live with the fanatic, and he's waving to me, you know. Yes. Um, but I will say this. 
it is live, so anything can happen. And in this world of Zoom and Instagram Live and everything else we're doing using computers, uh, there can be glitches. And as a matter of fact, last week we had Ryan Howard and his family. Um, <laughs> On their heads. Had a, yeah, well, yes, they, they were sideways. They were sideways, uh, which was a little bit of a bummer, but it was really cute. Uh, again, I, I think people overlooked it. You kind of had to yeah. turn your head a little bit, but uh, yeah. it was really cute. They had um, Ryan, his wife, Crystal, and his two daughters, and they all helped read the story. And this story in particular um, – you know, we have, there's 16 of these fanatic kids books out there. So I'm thinking, well, we could do this for at least 16 weeks and read a different story every time. Last year, we, we um, wrote one called The Philly Fanatic's Hero. And it was all about TV fanatic, the fanatic's mom, who is the fanatic's hero. Yeah. And so it was really cute to have Ryan and his wife, Crystal, who's a great mom, they all read it, but it was just kind of funny that they were a little sideways. <laughs> it happens. That's part of the charm, probably, too. So. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, the week before, we had Bryce Harper as our reader, and uh, Bryce was totally into it. He was asked, you know, can you, can you do this? He said, oh, I'd love to do this. He wanted to do it in his full uniform, but he, does, he didn't have his uniform out where he lives in Nevada. So we actually had to ship his uniform to him. So he got dressed in his full uniform. He put the eye black, uh, you know, on underneath his eyes and uh, put the Phillies cap on and read the story to the kids in full uniform out in Nevada, which was pretty cool. So that's Tom Burgoyne, very good friend of the Philly Fanatic, and he was on with us last week heading into last Wednesday's uh, celebrity reading. And again, tonight, Mike Schmidt and his wife Donna are part of that, and you can follow uh, the Philly Fanatic on Instagram to view it. So that's just a couple of the interviews we've had in recent days. We're going to take a quick break and come back and give you some more clips of uh, what this program's all about. Give you a nice cross-section, a nice buffet, if you will. It's Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. It's 424 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Welcome aboard. Thanks for listening in. We're doing a little bit of a cross-section to give you an idea of what this program's all about. Feel free to listen in and... Uh, get that idea. We'll play a number of clips for you. Let's keep with the local theme for a moment. As mentioned before the break, we had Tom Burgoyne, longtime very good friend of the Philly Fanatic, join us. In case you had noticed, this radio station has a, what we call a Christian teaching and talk format, where about every half an hour there's a, a ministry a pastor or a speaker who um, has a program, 25, 30 minutes, and that rotates throughout the day. There are other, you know, there's some exceptions to that, but that's kind of the gist of it. One of the local pastors has been on for a lot of years. I want to guess it's in the 35-year range or so. Is Pastor Joe Foch from Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia, which airs each weekday morning at 7.30 on WFIL. And before all of this pandemic stuff, I don't even like using that word. It's like pandemonium. I'm like, well, you know what I'm saying. Before everything that's going on happened, back in November, Pastor Joe is in studio with his son, Josh. And uh, Josh does the voice in and around the programs that you hear each morning. And we had him in for the whole hour. This is just a little piece of that to give you some insight into who Pastor Joe is. It was a lot of fun to have him in sharing that morning or that afternoon, I guess it was. Here we go. My story here in Philly, grew up in Philly. In fact, I went to the Philadelphia High School of Agriculture and Horticulture, which is W.B. Saul now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vietnam was raging, you know, at that point in time. Graduated in 68 uh, and... Uh, 
banged around doing different things. You know, and everybody was was using then. Everybody's listening to what we were listening to and the counterculture. And some friends of mine had gotten saved and started witnessing to me. And I kind of enjoyed arguing with them because I would get them angry sometimes, which made me feel good because <laughs> they were supposed to be Christians and they weren't real loving when I got them angry. So I thought maybe they weren't telling the truth. And uh, slowly but surely wore me down. And then one of my uh, best friends and I, uh, alone one night, opening the scripture looking at the presence of the Lord filled the room 1972 and changed my life forever. So bumbled around. There were some things in Philadelphia. There was John Poole, Gospel Temple, and Brother Panky, Father Arsini, the Catholic charismatic movement was happening or some things happening in the city in those days. I had a friend that moved to the West Coast, and uh, she was in in a quote-unquote discipleship ministry and uh, was constantly kind of baiting me. You should come out. So in 76, I moved to the West Coast. And the ministry that I got involved in was was off. It was shepherding and uh, positive confession. And uh, I got greatly taken advantage of. But I did meet my wife there. I remember when I first met her, I thought, this is the most miserable woman I've ever seen because <laughs> the elders were telling her she was supposed to marry some other guy, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, in that ministry, you listen to the elders. But she had gotten saved at Costa Mesa in the small chapel before they ever went to the tent. And as we went through that ministry, you know, they told you that if there was sickness in your life, it was because of a lack of faith or because there was sin in your life. Mm-hmm. Or if you weren't prospering, it was because there was sin in your life or lack of faith. So we stayed there till we were sick and broke. And uh, <laughs> and we, we knew it yeah. wasn't because of sin or lack of faith. You know, And we ended up then blowing back to Calvary Chapel in Southern California and sitting under Chuck. That was around 78. And okay. uh, spent a few years there, went through a, a ministry training program, uh, was ordained then in Southern California, and moved back to Philly in 81. And no intent of starting a church. We looked for and found some good fellowships, but we were spoiled. We used to go in the church in our jeans, underlining our Bible, you know, just uh, couldn't find the flavor that we enjoyed. So in uh, November of 1981, we started a Bible study, about 20 of us. That was in Arthur's Catering Hall at Byberry and Bustleton. He was a great caterer, but what would happen is, you know, sometimes on Sunday evening, he'd come and say, I got all three rooms booked. Then we'd have to try to let everybody know, that, you know, or the maitre d' would come in the middle of the study and say, is this your license plate? Because it was a car jammed up the parking lot. This was how not to start a church. That's how God did it. It was amazing. So we grew there to about 350 adults. We were three services on Sunday, but we were wrecking the catering hall. So he gave us a deadline, you know, you need to be out of here. And we looked everywhere, couldn't find. So we're a week away from the deadline. And I said, how about if we kind of double what we're giving you? Can you give us a few more months? And he was gracious and he did. And then in the meantime, we we were able to move up the mall at Street Road in Bustleton. And we were there until 90... Six, I believe, when we bought the meter factory that we're in now. Uh, that's been home ever since. That's Pastor Joe Foch, and uh, that's from the in-studio appearance back in November of 2019, along with his son Josh, who joined us that day. And we hope to have them both back again before long. We love using this hour, among other things, as a chance to give listeners uh, extra insight into who they're hearing on the radio. Pastor Joe uh, loves the Lord a lot, for sure. I know his son does, too, and, and uh, they do great work. Calvary Chapel, we're glad to have them on the air each weekday morning at 730 on WFIL. Uh, we also have a lot of ministries uh, from other parts of the country, including uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress and the program Pathway to Victory, which is 930 each weekday morning. And we had uh, Pastor Jefferson recently, a couple different things. He has a new book out called Courageous, uh, but also 
we were just talking in general. He, he's a very gifted speaker, and he knows how to say a lot in a short amount of time. Uh, so anyway, this is just a quick clip from our conversation with Dr. Robert Jeffress, again from Pathway to Victory, another ministry you'll hear on WFIL. When we're in this pandemic, I mean, our goal is not just to get out of it ourselves, but to help others. And it's true in spiritual attacks as well. We're not just trying to thrive in this world. We need to help others thrive as well. And I would just say, you know, the one group that we need to make sure that we're helping, it starts with our own family, with our own children and grandchildren. And I want, Tim, your listeners to think about this. This pandemic is going to be over at some point. But our children and grandchildren are going to remember forever this period of time, and they're going to remember how we reacted to it. Did we react with panic, or did we react with faith in God? The most important lessons we are teaching our children, the lessons that endure a lifetime, are the lessons of faith that we pass on to them. So I would just encourage parents to really think about what you're modeling to your children and your grandchildren during this unusual time in American history. That's Dr. Robert Jeffress, Bible teacher on the program Pathway to Victory, weekday mornings at 9.30 on WFIL. If you're listening in, and maybe it's again, the first time you've, you've been uh, ever listened, or perhaps you listened way back in the day when it was a top 40 station, and now you're reacquainting yourself with the station. You know, God loves you. I just feel on my heart I want to say that, that uh, he sent a son for you, and this station's all about that. So you could tune in pretty much any time, and you're going to hear something along those lines. You give it a few minutes, uh, and you're going to hear that. And it's important. And, that, and, and as you consider, perhaps, especially during this time where the world's a bit upside down, uh, whether whether it really is or whether it's just, you know, some of it may be overblown or, or over, you know, just all kinds of people thinking all kinds of different things. But that's not the main point here. But however you're feeling it, I know a lot of folks have concern or have worries or have lost someone uh, or have lost finances. And there's other things going on. So people are searching right now is the bottom line. Uh, be encouraged to listen in because what you're going to hear here actually is something that was true before uh, coronavirus. And as things start to maybe wind down a bit. The message is the same, and our God is the same. He's always been God. This coronavirus did not surprise him, and uh, none of nothing surprised him. He knows about everything, so uh, th- we can build our lives on him and uh, be encouraged because no matter where you're coming from, that's really true. God is true. He is the rock, and you can you can build your whole life on him. So be encouraged about that, and again, encourage you to listen to Pathway to Victory at 9.30 or pa- in the morning or pa- uh, Pastor Joe Foch in Straight from the Heart. At 7.30, many other fine programs you can hear and be encouraged from, from different angles. Uh, in fact, we also have guests on every now and again who may not necessarily be a pastor officially, but they share some great thoughts. We actually had uh, Susan Slauson, who helps run uh, the, uh, the Dell Music Center in Philadelphia. And we had her on because we've done some partnerships with them concert-wise, and they had a whole concert season lined up. And so what we were doing with the program for a little bit was to have folks who have advertised or, or joined with us in promoting things and say, like, how's it going for you? You know, how are you handling things? And, and how has your business perhaps been affected by, by the, the times we find ourselves in? And um, I have an update for you after this. But this is Susan Slauson, again, from the, the Dell Music Center. Um, great woman of God. And uh, here's what she had to say. As believers, what we do know is that regardless of what it looks like with our natural eyes, our spirit man knows that God is always in control. None of this caught him by surprise, although we are super surprised. There's always purpose 
And as the word says, he can work all those things together for good. Doesn't mean that everything is good, but God has a way of making things good in spite of some of these challenges that we are facing right now. You know, I'm watching CNN and I've seen Christian commercials during CNN. Wow. (laughs) That is that right there. These people paid for time. You normally would never see a call, a a straight call. Um, the, the, the priest, there was a priest and I wish I could think of his name, um, that was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ on CNN. And so there's a big picture here that, we may never see until the other side of heaven. Um, so I'm, I have hope. I have confidence. And I know we will get through this. It's just that these are times also where we have to encourage one another. Um, and when God's people are in need, we have to be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality however we can do it by being socially distant right now. And however we can do it, once we can come back together again, because there are going to be great needs. So I I believe that there's a a work that God has for us in the midst of this, after this, and I believe that people's lives are going to be changed for the better once this is said and done, because God is going to be a priority. Yeah, so there you go. Susan Slauson, she's the general manager of the Dell Music Center in Philadelphia, and I uh, just got an email from her recently saying uh, that the rest of the season has been completely canceled. When we had Susan on about a month ago, the hope was they could get in a partial season, and it looks like, uh, well, not looks like they're not going to have anything this summer, which is a big disappointment. Uh, but yet again, if you're a believer, you can trust that God is at work even when you don't understand what in the world's going on or where your money's going to come from. Or what you're going to do with yourself. I mean, someone like that, is, Susan's busy as all, as all get out, you know, preparing all these concerts and, and promoting them and everything. And now it's like, uh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> twiddle, 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 my thumbs. And uh, so, anyhow, that's one of um, many guests we've had on in the past just month. Quick break. We'll continue our cross-section show and give you ideas of uh, an idea of what this program's about and, and the heart of it. Thanks for listening in today. By the way, the um, the launch with the SpaceX thing and uh, NASA has been scrubbed. I'm guessing it's weather-related, uh, but that was supposed to take place right about now, and it's being postponed. So there you have that. So you can listen in and not worry you're missing anything <laughs> with the launch. Back in a second with more. Thanks for tuning in today. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 439, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL, 79 the high today, a lot of clouds, a little sun, maybe a shower, 65 low at night. Tomorrow, cloudy, a couple showers possible, high 76 in sports NHL announcing, should they resume, regular season is... Uh, going to be skipped right over. They're just going to freeze things where they were and go right into a 2014 playoff, which is larger than usual. It's kind of complicated, and there are a lot of details yet to be figured out, but that's their plan should they be able to resume sometime next month. Also, in our Bible League partnership, Bibles for Asia, we're looking to bring the Bible to uh, believers 
in the largest continent in the world, to the largest continent, I should say, uh, only one in 10 believers has their own. What I love about this is they're only five bucks a piece. So pretty much anybody could jump in and help with that. Our overall goal is 2,200 Bibles. We have 585 so far, which is excellent. 1615 to go. Want to help out? Of course you do. 800 yes words the number. 800 yes word. That's 800-937-9673. Or you can go right to our website. Big banner there says uh, Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia. And you can get involved there. Thanks to Cheryl in Philadelphia, who picked up the cost of 10 Bibles. Way to go. Jean in Philadelphia did four. Larry in Trenton did five. Mary in Barrington, New Jersey did 10. And Nancy in Mount Holly said, I'm doing 80. Well, that's great, Nancy. That's wonderful. So all put together, 585 with 1615 to go. The goal for that is to be done by Sunday, which I know can happen. Just a matter of folks jump in. And say, all right, count me in. Where do I sign? It's actually very simple. And the whole process takes a minute or two. Thanks to, again, all who have helped out. We'll keep you posted. And uh, do believe you matter. You hear about it. It's not somebody else's thing. This is part of the fabric of what we do. When you hear about this radio show, what we're doing this hour is giving you some clips of recent guests. And uh, just to give you an idea of what this is about helping ministries and working with folks like Bible League who have been doing it for over 80 years. That's part of what we do at WFIL. It's part of the fabric. It's not an interruption when we look for help. It's part of what we want this uh, station and show to be. So that said, let's keep going and give you some more insight into some of the clips. I love sports, in case you hadn't noticed, if you listen in. Let me play a couple of clips for you, just of a couple of folks we've had on recently that, um, that we've had on, just to chat a little bit. Dave Spadaro, most recently, longtime Eagles insider, been with the organization for over 30 years, had him on last week, and uh, I asked him, how do you approach your job, Dave? I don't shy away from providing the news. Certainly, when the Eagles lose a game, I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, the Eagles lost 42-3, to but a couple of bounces here and there, things could have been different. <laughs> that would be insulting to a very intelligent fan base. Yeah. But I also don't say the Eagles lost 42-3, to and Carson Wentz stinks, and Doug Peterson's a lousy coach, and Jeffrey right. Lurie needs to fire everybody. So there's, you know, there, uh, my my line is I want fans to come away knowing that they've heard something from me that they're not going to hear anywhere else. And it is a team perspective. It doesn't have to be bad news. It doesn't have to be good news. It's, I remember one time my father said to me, boy, it, the Eagles were struggling, had a few losses. He said, David, at least you have something to write about now. And I was like, Dad, you know, actually fans <laughs> like to hear good news too yes this is entertainment this is not you know the 11 o'clock news is a depressing place to be these days and and a lot of days and it's, it's always negative news well i don't think news has to be negative all the time yeah and quite frankly fans like to be fans like to know everything they can about you know the philadelphia eagles when something bad happens you confront it with with honesty uh and when something good happens you do the same Dave's longtime Eagles insider, and uh, you can check him out. You can Google Insider Podcast to find him. Eagles insider, you'll find all the different interviews that he does on a regular basis. He loves, he loves providing content for their site and in multiple places uh, for folks to keep up on what's happening with the Eagles. Also in the room, realm of sports, we had a gentleman named John Shea on recently. He's a national baseball writer for the San Francisco Chronicle and just put out a book. It took, I think, 15 years to write, and it's called 24 – Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. 
otherwise known as Willie Mays, one of the greatest players in baseball history. Some would say the greatest baseball player in history. And here's a little bit about uh, what he had to say. I actually asked John Shea. People know the on-field uh, stuff that Willie Mays was known for, 660 home runs and all the other things. But he did a lot of work off the field. Willie Mays had a heart for kids, and he did a lot of great work. And so I asked John, when you went to write this, how much did you know about that off-field stuff? And how much were you learning as you were writing the book? Well, you, that's a great question. I mean, we all knew what he did on the field and the four home runs in Milwaukee and the, the walk-off home run in the 16th against Warren Spahn to, to, to beat the Braves one nothing in that marichelle Spahn duel. And, uh, of course, the catch at the Polo Grounds at Game 1 in the 54 series. But he never really touched on things such as race and his inner thoughts and his trials and tribulations. The, he, he told me that, imagine this, by the way, he goes from the Birmingham Black Barons to an all-white uh, team at Trenton, his first minor league stop, in an all-white league. For a teenager who had just graduated from, from high school, hmm. that was an amazing transition and a culture shock. But you know, he, he, he overcame, he persevered, and when he told me things like, I wondered, you know, obviously this was only three years in 1950 after Jackie Robinson broke the color line, and he said, because he was hearing a lot of the same abuse that Jackie was, and Willie told me, you know, I wondered if it was worth it. And it got, like, got me chills. I said, I wonder if it was worth it. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, what if he stopped playing? What if he quit? What if he went back to the Birmingham area and worked in the mills like his dad or uh, worked some odd jobs? We never heard of Willie Mays. Uh, that would that would have been that would have been cruel, and luckily for all of us, the entire world, baseball and beyond, you know, he stuck with it and overcame the bigots and and uh, basically won over the bigots. As Bill Clinton says in the book, Willie Mays uh, made it absurd to be a racist. So the, the racists who, who who you know ripped on Jackie and didn't want the uh, integration and all that stuff, you know, they're cheering on Willie Mays. And who never got booed on the road hardly at all, and now that these guys got to look in the mirror and say, "What, what kind of idiot am I? You know, what, how could I love Willie Mays and be a racist?" So, you know, that, that, that's a, that's the type of thing that, you know, maybe the book is uh, trying to share with, you know, especially, you know, younger generations who might not be familiar with Willie Mays. It's John Shea again, national baseball writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, who joined us a couple weeks back. Author of this new book, Twenty Four, Willie Mays' number Twenty Four: Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. And I read an article. It's just very fascinating. I never thought of it this way before. I read an article. I'm going to say in the last few days somewhere, and uh, if I can find it, I'll maybe maybe even ask that person to come on the show. But the main gist, or, or one big part of the article, had to do with. The things that uh, the the racism and and the the challenges that someone like Willie Mays had to go through, and um, imagine he eventually you know wound up being uh, signed by the the San Francisco Giants, uh, which I think were the New York Giants at the time. Anyhow, there were other teams who were very much interested, but for one reason or another, they chose not to sign him. And one of those teams, the New York Yankees. Now, this is not about – sometimes you say, oh, you, how come you didn't draft so-and-so or you didn't sign somebody and somebody else beat you to it? That's one thing. But the whole issue of integration, as John Shea was talking about, certainly uh, you don't think twice about it now. But back then, it was, it was 
very new. Jackie Robinson for the Dodgers had only been playing for a few years since Willie Mays is coming into the league. But think about the point of it was fascinating. I never thought of it before. If the Yankees had signed Willie Mays, they would have had Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle playing in the outfield together. Like two of the greatest players ever side by side, pretty much their careers started about the same time. Similarly, the Boston Red Sox, who are known for not having been, uh, you know, wanting to go that route until late. I think their first uh, African-American player wasn't until the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. They could have had Ted Williams, another one of the all-time greats, and Willie Mays playing together. Now, their careers were not overlapping. Williams started probably eight or nine years earlier. But main idea was, or maybe 10, 15, 12, but they could have overlapped. And just like what an amazing team that uh, one of those those teams could have had. And there were others that were interested. I think the Atlanta Braves who had Hank Aaron. Could you imagine Hank Aaron and Willie Mays on the same team? It would have been obscene, in the, you know, in terms of talent. Uh, so anyway, kudos to the Giants for taking that leap and signing him and all that. Anyhow, just interesting. It's fascinating if you're a sports fan to think you always associate Willie Mays with the Giants, but he could have been a Yankee. He could have been on the Red Sox. And uh, those teams chose not to sign him, and instead the Giants did and reaped the benefits. So John Shea, our guest there, and I really liked the look of that book and uh, had a chance to read through a good part of it and was glad to have John on the program to talk about it some. You can get the podcast of that and all the clips that we're playing for you at WFIL.com. We have one more segment to do. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and give you a few more clips of what this program's all about anyway. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 4.53 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Every now and again, we'd love to have authors on the program. We had a husband-wife combo join us not long ago. They're named Matt and Lisa Jacobson. And the book they've written, actually a series of them, 100 Ways to Love Your Wife or 100 Ways to Love Your Husband, The Simple, Powerful Path to a Loving Marriage. This is a clip from our conversation with Matt and Lisa Jacobson on uh, Tim DeMoss Show about a month ago. It's very, very important whenever we speak to our wives that we do it in a gentle manner. And, of course, gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, spoken of directly in the Word of God uh, as a fruit of the Spirit. And I would just ask the guys out there listening, would your wife call you gentle in the way you communicate with her? So if you have something that you need to address, first of all, it's just got to be in a gentle spirit. And you should never, ever speak in a harsh tone to your wife. It's not an appropriate way to speak to the person that you love. And this is so important and such a fundamental thing and such a simple thing in marriage. A lot of times we take the most liberties with the people that we're closest to, and that's, of course, a tremendous mistake. We love our wives. We love her more than any other person in the world. We should cherish her in the way that we communicate, the kindness, our tone. It's so critical. And I think that women tend to, I hate to be hard on us, but we can be this way, we tend to see what's wrong, how they can improve, kind of our own fix-it-up project. And it just comes naturally to us, generally speaking. And so we might not be aware of it because we feel like, oh, we're just trying to make them feel better or that we're trying to make them, you know, be a better person. And in reality, it's actually tearing down the guy who feels like, I can never do enough. I never do it right. 
It doesn't matter what I do. It's very discouraging, and they can they'll start they'll just stop trying. And so, there's a few things going on. Is one is a lot of times the guy's doing way more than his wife is recognizing, or she just takes it for granted. And nobody likes to be taken for granted. And if you do, like let's say you do want something to change, well, uh, nagging him is probably not going to achieve that. Um, tearing him down is definitely not going to achieve that. But really, building him up like, hey, thanks so much for the way you brought in the groceries for me, or I sure appreciate the way you're such a good dad to our boys. Like those kinds of things really build your relationship and it also makes him want to to do more. It's just the way, you know, just the way we're made. So and I the other thing I'm just gonna add in there is and and I know this is true because so many women have said this they resonate with this is we forget that they're a person with feelings. You know, it just kind of becomes the guy and we forget, oh there's a heart under there and we have an effect on him. And so we can use those, our words, to either build them up or tear them down. Matt and Lisa Jacobson, author of 100 Ways to Love Your Wife or 100 Ways to Love Your Husband, The Simple, Powerful Path to a Loving Marriage. We're giving copies of that away right now in the Rewards Club at WFIL.com. Uh, also, you get the podcast of all these programs at WFIL.com. One more quick clip for you. Pierce Brantley, another author we've had on recently, and uh, he had a book, that uh, that also we're giving away on our site. It's called Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. This is Pierce Brantley. Oftentimes we will segregate ministry time or segregate, you know, the idea of working with God to things that are revolved around just the church. So, you know, ministry on Sunday mornings, mission trips, opportunities to serve in the community, and those are all really, really good things. But because of maybe the way our culture has set up things or because of our need to, you know, just keep things moving, what happens is we begin to segregate mentally the idea that God could actually participate with us during the working day. And so it's an opportunity for us to readjust and say, God, you have given me 40 hours, maybe 60 plus for some of us, that is ripe and ready for you to to work with me and and just ask you know begin to ponder begin to imagine the question what could happen if all of a sudden this time i was a covert agent i was beginning to work alongside the god to you know really see the scaffolding of kingdom work all around me and begin to participate with him in the good work he's doing all around us i love that word scaffolding that is just a clip one minute of a full show we had with author uh, Pierce Brantley in the book Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. You can win that, as well as the book by Matt and Lisa Jacobson, a couple of them, at WFIL.com. We had Garrett Reisman, NASA astronaut and SpaceX senior advisor. Tom Burgoyne, very good friend of the Philly Fanatic. Pastor Joe Foch from Calvary Chapel. Dr. Robert Jeffress from Pathway to Victory. Susan Slauson, GM of the Dell Music Center in Philly. Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider. John Shea, national baseball writer. Uh, all part of today's program as we had clips from those interviews in the past month. Help yourself to those podcasts anytime you like. Tell a friend about the program if you would. That's a bit of a cross-section of the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening. Jim Axon, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.